0: Well, good morning, New Life Church, on this first Sunday of 2022. And as we move into 2022, um, many of us um, have big disappointments and discouragement in our lives. And um, a year ago, we thought that uh, COVID was just about to end, and now here we are a year later. And these two years have been very hard for the church as well, not being able to meet in person, at least for most of it. And when we finally can meet, we've got all these public health issues. And um, today, you know, we've got the issues with the, the building being locked. Um, so we cry out, God, we are your people. Please help us. Look, please, we, We're serving you. And I want to encourage you that as we go into 2022, I'm going to tell a story which is quite amazing. And it's about Satan's attempt to attack God's people. But the very tool he attacked them with, God turned into the means of blessing. And it's like somebody pointing a gun at you and it magically being turned into a gift of gold. And, and this follows on from what I was talking about last week of Satan's attacks on the church and on the line on the golden thread of the line of Christ through the through the ages. So uh, we pray that this amazing turnaround that I'm going to speak about today will happen not just in the church but in your own personal life in 2022. So my goal is for us to be encouraged by one of the most amazing stories in scripture of horrible defeat being turned into joyful victory. And this is a story in five acts. So here are my five nine. I'm i I'm giving you a little picture of them to start with. So the first one I'm calling the wave. And the wave is is up and down. And the second I'm calling the pit. And the pit is really, really dark. And then... We have the um, shockingly supernatural rescue, which is the blue line shooting up. Then we have the dragon attacks going down again. And then we have defeat turned into joy, which is the last act of this amazing story. So um, let's just put the words on there. Story of attacks and discouragement turned into joy. The wave, which is up and down, the pit, then a peak of hope. I'm calling it a shockingly su- supernatural rescue. The dragon attacks, and then defeat turned into joy. So, and each of those steps, I've got a little picture for us. So, the first one, the wave. Here's my picture of the wave. <laughs> um, and um, the the story is this. Uh, this is I'm going to summarise it very quickly. Abraham and Sarah promised that a nation would come from them that would bless the world. And as they grew, they were given, the nation grew. There was a famine in the land, but God had already taken one of them, which was Joseph, into Egypt. And with the extraordinary sequence of events, he was now one of the rulers of Egypt And so the family could come to to Egypt and they could grow and become a mighty nation. But then they were too mighty for Pharaoh, who scared was scared by them. And so he turned them into slaves and then tried to kill them all. But God raised up Moses and brought them across the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. And then they had a, a... some time years being ruled by judges and then they were ruled by kings but the high point of all of that was king david and david loved god with a passion he was uh, named a man after god's own heart and he wrote many of the psalms and that if you like is the high point in this roller coaster and then after david we have this steady decline the people became more and more corrupt they worshipped a cruel God, false gods like Baal. Uh, but not just that, they were filled with oppression of the poor and corruption of justice in the legal system. And they became as bad, if not worse, than the nations that were around them. So that is the, the, that's the, my first part. That's the way. Is there, are you getting it okay? Is it coming through okay? And you've got the slides all right? Okay, good. Uh, The wave, which is up and then down. Now we're going to look at the pit and then a peak of hope. So this is my picture for the pit with a peak of hope. Everything's very, very dark, but a little light shines out. Well, the pit is this. The God allowed the Babylonian Empire to come and to destroy, to capture and destroy the city. First of all, they came in 597 BC and they captured the city. Now we've got really good proof of these dates because the Babylonians who, who were the, the people who were capturing the city, they were meticulous astronomers and all of their dates that they recorded which we've got many of their carvings and, and, and records, they tied into the movement of the stars. And they tied into things like eclipses and, and planets being aligned up, which is phenomenal because we can actually, scientifically, we can work out precisely what, exact what day that was. And when we can tie that into the records of what they said they were doing at that time, and we can precisely date some of these biblical events, which is amazing. I mean, it's like a, a precision clock that God has given us on some of these dates. So we can tell you, without like within exactly the year, 5, 8, 597 BC, they captured the city, but the city rebelled against him. And 11 years later, that's 586 BC, he came and and completely destroyed the city broke down the walls completely destroyed the temple taking all the gold with him and he took all the people with him people of the city made them live in another part of the empire and then took people from elsewhere in the Elpa empire and brought them back and put them to live in the land. This was a very effective way of making sure there wasn't going to be another rebellion that they were mounting. And by the way, these other people became the Samaritans. So that's why there was such antipathy between the Jews and the Samaritans. But even though God's people had rejected him, His love for them didn't diminish. And this is the the peak of hope that's shining through the light. And these are some of the most amazing verses in scripture. So I'm going to read you from Hosea chapter 11. And this is God writing to the people that's treated him as they have. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called them, the farther they departed from me. They sacrificed to the Baal idols and burned incense to images. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by my by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love. You can see God's heart like bleeding for the way he's been treated by these people. My people are obsessed with turning away from me. They call to Baal, but he will never exalt them. And then these extraordinary words, um, Hosea 11, 8. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboim? These are other cities that were completely destroyed. My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in anger. They shall follow the Lord, and he will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from the land of Assyria, and I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. So, this is just some of the most amazing words in scripture. And it's amazing because here's a nation that for all intents and purposes are destroyed. They're spread out over a foreign land. And yet God says, my heart for you hasn't changed. My compassion for you is still as strong. And we read another prophecy. Now, that's specific one I've just read was referring to the northern kingdom, but we also see in Jeremiah, referring to the southern kingdom. Indeed, the people of Israel are my dear children. They're my darling children. For even though I must often rebuke them, I still remember them with fondness. Therefore, my heart yearns for them, and I will surely have compassion on them. I, the Lord, affirm it. And it goes on. I will say, my dear children of Israel, keep in mind the road you took when you were carried off. Mark off in your minds the landmarks. note telltale signs that mark the way back. So he's saying, like, remember the way you went because you're going to come back again. You need to learn the way back. Return, my dear children of Israel, return to these cities of yours. And so these are these are incredibly touching words of God's love because it's showing a, a love for God, for, that God has, for those who've turned away from him. And I wonder if maybe uh your heart has grown cold, maybe in some way. And God is so loving and willing to accept you back. His love for you is not dependent on your faithfulness to him. He's, he just yearns and says, come back, come back. Uh if you feel like that today, I want to encourage you that God's love is still, uh, tender towards you. And all you have to do uh, is to do is to ask and he will bring you back. <clears throat> and I'm going to read another verse from um, Isaiah chapter 30. For this reason, the Lord is ready to show you, show you mercy. He sits on his throne, ready to have compassion on you. Indeed, the Lord is a just God. All who wait for him in faith will be blessed. <clears throat> so uh, let's just read. Um, okay, so that was that was the pit that we just looked at. And could you bring me a glass of water, do you think? Uh, so that was so uh, we've looked at the wave. We've looked at the pit and a peak of hope. And... Uh, Now we're going to look at a shocking supernatural rescue. Here's my picture for the supernatural rescue. This was actually um, a a time-lapse photograph that was posted online and somebody just left the camera running on time-lapse. And it's quite amazing. And um, uh, uh, partly I'm showing this because it's our city. And partly I'm showing this because... Um, it, it, it's, it's coming from heaven it's like it's coming down from heaven and the other thing that fits in with the story is it's hitting the very highest point and what we're going to see is god reaches down for heaven and touches the very highest point in the empire and it touches somebody who uh, thanks to uh, archaeology we have a picture of this this man is the um is Cyrus the great king of Persia and there was a, an unbelievably amazing uh fall of Babylon the city that took Judah into captivity and they fell to uh, Cyrus and the Persians and Cyrus became emperor of this huge empire that stretched from India right across to the Mediterranean and uh, he was, uh, you know, his power seemed to be unlimited. And yet God could reach down in heaven in, a, in an extraordinary way and touch this man. And we can read, um we can look and we can see the archaeological records for some of these things. But here's the record in the Bible. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order for Phil, to fulfill the Lord's message spoken through Jeremiah, The Lord stirred the mind of King Cyrus of Persia. He sent a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom announcing in a written edict the following. Thus says King Cyrus of Persia. The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. So somehow he's naming the Jewish God as being the Lord God of heaven. He has instructed me to build a temple for him in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Uh, what's happening here? This guy is supreme ruler of the world and he's decided to build a, a, a temple in Judah. Goes on. Anyone from his people among you, may his God be with him, may go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and may build the temple of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God who's in Jerusalem. Anyone who survives in any of those places where he's a resident foreigner must be helped by his neighbors with silver, gold equipment, animals, along with volunteers, sorry, with voluntary offerings for the temple of God, which is in Jerusalem." So first evidence of crowdfunding this uh, answer is this the first evidence of crowdfunding? well, I guess so yes. Uh, so this is um this is the lightning strike from heaven down to the to the empress uh, Cyrus and what's happening here? God's sending the people back but actually funding them to go back and so uh, we read in Ezra uh, that forty two thousand 360 people returned. When they got back, they found it in a terrible state. This is what one of the other cities looked like still today that was destroyed by this army. And this is Laish. And so this is probably what their city and their temple looked like when they got there. <clears throat> so within two years, they re- re- rebuilt the altar to the temple, which means they could start the sacrifices again. Uh, And they began to get uh, terrible opposition from the the peoples living around about the city. There were only 42,000 returned and it's quite a small group. And all of the people who are now living in the land really began to oppose them. And this began several decades of attacks. And this is what I'm going to focus on in Act 4 of the story. So Act 4... Act, four, act one was the wave, which is, which is, uh, up to the King David, glorious kingdom, and then down to corruption. And then two is the pit, but the glimmer of hope. Three is what we're in right now, which is a shockingly supernatural rescue. Uh, but then we're going, we're just moving on to four, which is the dragon attacks, the dragon attacks. And you can probably guess what my picture is going to look like for today. There we go. <laughs> There's my dragon and uh, uh, attacking. And so in order to see what's happening here in these attacks, we're going to read from Ezra and we're going to read Ezra chapter four, the nations try and stop the work and five, the Jews know they're doing God's work and six, we're going to see the turnaround at the end. So let's move on then to Ezra chapter 4. And we're going to read what the story here. And there's quite a bit of reading here, so bear with me, but I think it's worth it. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin learned that the former exiles were building a temple for the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the leaders said to them, let us help you build For like you, we seek your God and we've been sacrificing to him and goes on to to try and claim they want to cash in on this bonanza. But um, uh, Zerubbabel is not fooled by this. And um, so he says no. And then in verse four, we read the local people began to discourage the people of Judah and to dishearten them from building they were hiring advisors to oppose them so as to frustrate their plans throughout the time of King Cyrus of Persia until the reign of King Darius of Persia. So this whole opposition now of Satan attacking went on until Cyrus died and another King Darius was king. At the beginning of the reign of Ahasuerus, they filed an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. This is a copy of the letter they sent him. So we're now this is a letter written to the king. And this is King Artaxerxes, who's now the king of the ruler of the Empire. To King Artaxerxes from your servants in Trans Euphrates. Now let the king be aware that the Jews who came to up to us from you have gone to Jerusalem, they are rebuilding that rebellious and odious city. They're completing its walls and repairing its foundations. Let the king also be aware that if this city is built and its walls are completed, no more tax, custom or toll will be paid and the royal treasury will suffer loss in light of the fact that we are loyal. We are loyal to the king, and since it does not seem appropriate to us that the king should suffer damage, we are sending the king this information, aren't aren't they being kind and generous, so that he may initiate a search of the records of his predecessors and discover in those records that this city is rebellious and injurious to both kings and provinces producing internal revolts from long ago it's for this very reason that this city was destroyed we therefore are informing the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed you will not retain control of this portion of trans euphrates isn't that horrific isn't that like can you can you feel the venom in that like this is really like the serpent's attack and i want you to to just put yourself into this story here, because um, this, uh, what they're trying to do is to to live as God's people, to live in the way God had called them to. And so, we as a church, as New Life Church and as other churches across the land, are like we're trying to rebuild Jerusalem. We're trying to rebuild God's community, but also as individuals, we're trying to live as God has has called us to. And Satan is attacking that with his venom. So here's a response from the king. So I put the letter in that box there. To Rahum the commander, Shimsai the scribe, and the rest of their colleagues who live in Samaria and other parts of Trans-Euphrates, greetings. The letter you sent to us has been translated and read in my presence. So I gave orders and it was determined that this city from long ago has been engaging in insurrection against kings. It has continually engaged in rebellion and revolt. Now give orders that these men cease their work and that this city not be rebuilt until such a time as I so instruct. Exercise appropriate caution so that there is no negligence in this matter. Why should danger increase to the point that kings sustain damage? What do you think of that? Pretty nasty, eh? Then, as soon as the copy of the letter from King King Artaxerxes was read, in the presence of Rahum, Shimsai, the scribe, and their colleagues, they're the enemies, they proceed promptly to the Jews in Jerusalem and stop them with the threat of armed force. So the work on the temple of God in Jerusalem came to a halt. It remained halted until the second year of King Darius of Persia. What do you think of that? Well, he's uh. listened to the bad guys. Yeah, this is a pretty vicious attack, isn't it? So you're all waiting now. What's Act Five going to be in this play? Well. We've got a little bit longer to go. And that is a bit one bit that I really want to, to land with you today. The Jews know that they are doing God to work. Then the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, sons of Ido, prophesied, prophesied concerning the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel. Um I'm just going to skip over um uh So, uh, so I'm just going to, uh, so the enemies came, verse four, they also asked them, what are the names of the men who are building this edifice? But God was watching over the elders of Judah and they were not stopped. So in other words, they carried on working here. They were not stopped until a report could be dispatched to Darius, and a letter could be sent back concerning this. This is a copy of the letter that Tatanai, governor of Trans Euphrates and the others, sent to King Darius. And this is the report. So this is the second letter they're writing back. Uh, and this is the like this is the second attack that they're sending. And this is the weapon that's going to get turned into an amazing rescue. To King Darius, all greetings. Let it be known to the king that we have gone to the province of Judah, to the temple of the great God. It's being built with large stones and timbers are being placed in its walls. This work is being done with diligence and is prospering in their hands. So it's quite quite appalled by this. We inquired of those elders saying, who gave you the authority to rebuild this temple and complete the structure? We also inquired the names in order to inform you so that we might write the names of the men who were their leaders. They responded to us in the following way. We are servants of the God of heaven and earth. (laughs) That was the name they gave. And I want you to remember that. Like, you are children of the king. You are children of the God in heaven, of heaven and earth. So if somebody asks you your name this week, say, I am a child of the God of heaven and earth. <laughs> there you go. So um, we were building a temple which was previously built many years ago. A great king of Israel built it and completed it. But after our ancestors angered the God of heaven, he delivered them into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this temple and exiled the people to Babylon. But in the first year of King Cyrus of Babylon, King Cyrus enacted a decree to rebuild this temple of God. Now, if the king is so inclined, let a search be conducted so, so this is what the enemy's asking. The enemies are saying, "Let a search be conducted in the royal archives there in Babylon in order to determine whether King Cyrus did, in fact issue orders for this temple of God to be rebuilt in Jerusalem." Then let the king send us a decision concerning this matter. So they assume it's a lie. Get that. They think this is a lie that's coming up. They think that Lele is going to come back and say, "No, Cyrus never made such a decision. You're good." Just stop them working. And they think they've got a trump card now. So this is the gun they're going to fire. This is the attack. You can probably anticipate now how this could go wrong. Uh, So bearing in mind the Babylonians kept good records. So here we go. Actually, sorry, not the Babylonians. Uh, This would be the Persians. So number six we're onto here. Um, So we've done the wave, we've done the pit. In captivity, the peak of hope, God's promise, the supernatural response, the lightning coming down, Darius, sorry, Cyrus enabling them to go back and return to the land. The dragon attacks in the form of these, these people living roundabout who don't want them to prosper and send a letter and then now a second letter back to get, to, to tell on the Israelites. And then number five, defeat turning into joy. And here is my image for our last act. I hope you enjoy that. So, uh, let's carry on with, um, our reading. And we're going to scroll down to, um, the last part now, which is we're going to go down to, uh, Ezra chapter Teutra chapter 6. There we go. Have you got that, Jitin? Okay. Uh, so Darius the king issued orders and they searched the archives of the treasury which were deposited there in Babylon. A scroll was found. You know, God is amazing, the, God, the way God is tracking this. Uh, in the citadel of Ekbatana, Ek which is in the province of Media. And it was inscribed as follows: Memorandum. In the first year of his reign, King Cyrus gave orders concerning the temple of God in Jerusalem. Let the temple be rebuilt. Uh, let the temple be rebuilt as a place where sacrifices are offered. Let its foundations be set in place. Let its height to be ninety feet and its width ninety feet. With three layers of large stones, one layer of timber. The expense is to be subsidized by the royal treasury. Furthermore, let the gold and silver vessels of the temple of God, which Nebuchadnezzar brought from the temple in Jerusalem and carried to Babylon, be returned and brought to their proper place in the temple in Jerusalem. Let them be deposited in the temple of God. So here we have the letter. Uh, uh, now, Tatanai, governor of Trans-Euphrates, uh, Shaltha, Bozenai, and their colleagues, the officials of Trans-Euphrates, all of you stay far away from there. Leave the work of this temple of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and elders of the Jews rebuild this temple in its proper place. And here's the kicker. I also hereby issue orders as to what you are to do with those elders of the Jews in order to rebuild the temple. From the royal treasury, from the taxes of trans-Euphrates, the complete costs are to be given to these men so that there may be no interruption of the work. Whatever is needed, whether oxen or rams or lambs or burnt offerings, for the God of heaven or wheat, or salt, or wine, or oil, is, as required by the priests who are in Jerusalem, must be given to them daily without any neglect, so that they may be offered incense to the God of heaven and may be praying for the good fortune of the king and his family. I therefore give orders that if anyone changes this directive, a beam is to be pulled out from his house and he is to be raised up and impaled on it and his house is to be reduced to a rubbish heap for this indiscretion. So I don't think they were expecting to get this as a response, were they, from their previous letter? It wasn't quite what they had in mind. And you can see, like, this isn't... This is... And this is such an incredible reversal of the, um, the attack that was made that their own letter that they sent in complaint turned out to be the means for this reversal. And then it ends. May God who made, 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 makes his name to reside there overthrow any king or nation who reaches out to cause such change so as to destroy the temple of God in Jerusalem. I Darius, gift give, given orders. Let them be carried out with precision. And so we read the rest of the story. They actually did what it says their colleagues, they acted accordingly with precision because they didn't want their beam to be pulled out of their house and to be hung impaled on it. You know, they, they were very well motivated there. They did it, and as a result of that, the temple was finished and it was completed. And here, note this, the priests, this is verse 16, the priests, the Levites, and the exiles, The rest of the exiles observed the dedication of the temple with joy. So there we have, they observed the feast of unleavened bread for seven days with joy. For the Lord had given them joy and changed the opinion of the king of Assyria towards them. So sometimes we need a good story to encourage us, don't we? And this is an encouraging story, if ever you heard one, because here we have a story which applies very directly to us. It applies to us because we are children of the God of heaven and earth. And his love to us is as strong as his love to his people there. And it doesn't depend on our faithfulness to him so the attack is turned around so the enemy um, have to support them instead of attack them they actually have to support the people they were trying to attack so uh, i want to i want to then talk about uh, the response of god's people as we close now how do we to respond to this story well as i've said We can say, I am a child of God, of the God of heaven and earth. We can identify with this story. The same Satan who attacked them is trying to attack us, but the same God is on our side. And he's called us to the task of bringing his presence to this earth. I won't go into all the detail now because this has already been a long sermon, but The temple represents God's presence or was the place of God's presence. And that's what they were building. And we are the presence of God now as a church and as individuals with the presence of God on earth. And so there's a very close connection between what they were doing and what we are called to do. And so we can we can make this same claim. And so if you're under attack or if you feel that things have been hard for you, you feel you're in a pit. You feel you 've been struggling, then be encouraged uh, be encouraged we're in enemy territory, reclaiming it for God. Let us be encouraged and uh, uh, take in these beautiful words of god 's tender love for his children that we read at the beginning. the words that said, you know my my heart goes out to you oh oh israel my heart, my heart is just so caring for you and How could I, how could I leave you in the state that you're in? And that, that tender love of God that he has. And uh, once again, if you're, if you're not close to God at the moment, and maybe you feel you've been drifting away from him, I want you to take this as a welcome to him back in 2022. And his heart is full of love for you. And he learned, yearns for you like a parent yearning for a lost child. Those words where he says, you know, I, I brought Israel up as a, as a child, now brought through the wilderness, like, you know, just like a, a parent loving a child. And now Israel has gone away from me, but I just so long for her. This is God's heart for you. Just turn and come back to him. Whatever you've done wrong, he will forgive you. He's such a loving and caring father. So I want to say, call out to him and trust him with 2022. That is my my message to leave you with today. Call out to him and trust him with 2022. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your faithfulness that you will never abandon us. And we thank you, Lord, for your strength, your power, that you are the God of heaven and earth. We have nothing to fear from the enemy. And thank you, God, for this story of your faithfulness to your people. And Lord, we pray that we will be able to take it in as your faithfulness to us. So, Lord, that we will be encouraged to call out to you during this coming year and look to you as the God who is our God, because we are your children. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.